Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, the reason we've come together on these microphones is your film, Low Life. So, before we go into any detail about it, do you want to give us a, um, a brief synopsis? And I should add at this point, you're having a European premiere at Frightfest. So, that's why we're uh, talking to you as part of the Frightfest um, series, as it were. Yeah, we're playing Monday the 28th. Plug, plug, plug. Good man, and, good uh... man. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many filmmakers don't know when the film is playing. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Uh, yeah, with with uh, with Low Life, yeah, it's a uh, it's a caper sort of nutso crime film where uh, you follow uh, a woman gets kidnapped, pregnant woman gets kidnapped, and we follow each side of the uh, of the parties that are involved. So you know, her husband's looking for her, who happens to be a luchador, like a Mexican wrestler slash. Leg breaker for the mob. Uh, her estranged mother, uh, who puts them up to the kidnapping um, to get an organ for her father, or excuse me, for her husband, the mm-hmm. the woman's father, and then uh, the two goofballs who uh, get roped into kidnapping her. So you you kind of follow all sides of the crime. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said not so because the word I wrote when I was watching it was bonkers. Yeah, because <laughs> it really is. It is. A, it is a kind of heightened crime movie, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's a lot of fun, but Jesus, it's violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, definitely was exciting to me to, you know, like a luchador. There's a. There's a tradition of these luchador uh, films from like the '60s, mm-hmm. which you know it was like. Uh, El Santo or whatever fighting the mummy. We should we so, should probably like, say at this point then a luchador for those not understanding it or not only that reference before is the mask wearing Mexican wrestler, which is a fairly iconic image. Right, and, right. and obviously your film explores some of, some some of that legend. Just for people who might not know. Yeah, and they uh, they really I mean they take that super seriously of like you know they actually go out in public their their public persona is always behind the mask so it's it's really interesting like they'll you know be out at restaurants eating <laughs> wearing those masks um and then they hand them down you know through their family so there's wrestling but then they also i don't know whatever else they get up to is pretty it's pretty interesting so yeah to me it was kind of like how do we make these super you know absurd almost i mean he looks like a walking cartoon he's just all color you know like yeah, how, yeah, how do yeah. you make those guys feel like grounded and and in, in a real world 
sort of heinous situation. So that was definitely the fun of it. So, so let's 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 get back to where where the kind of idea started because when I, when I look at some of the main the main characters in it, it's it's sort of hard to know. It's hard to know where you might start with them, but you've you've weaved a hell of a hell of a complex sort of web with your with your the main people we focus on. So where yeah. where did how did that idea get formed, and, and and which of the you know like Teddy Bear is one particular character, Luchador is one particular character. You've got a guy coming out of prison with a swastika on his face. You know, you've got the the, the woman in the motel. You've got the the FBI agent. Is it FBI the people doing them? Uh, ice, 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 yeah, like the customs. Yeah, the customs. That's it, immigration. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a Ben Ice guy. So these are really interesting characters in of themselves, and then to weave them all together. Was that always the case, or was it kind of did it start with any one of those main ideas, and then you built around them? Yeah, we had we had initially started. The idea was to do a crime anthology film, okay. um, so there were going to be those like standalone sort of stories. Um, and you know, there were five writers total. Uh, mm-hmm. We all went to uh, the American Film Institute to school together right. and worked together out of that. And we're kind of doing. Um, we started like a little like a comedy troupe where we were doing more like sketch comedy stuff, um, which I definitely also think you can see an influence in the film. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, so, you know, some of us had different ideas like percolating of different characters. And then, you know, we were all going to originally just write, um, these shorts to make an anthology film. And then as we were working on them together, we were kind of like, Oh, this would be so much better if you started, you know, the story started bleeding over into each other and characters started interacting. So then that, that became like definitely the challenge, but it was fun to kind of twist that and then untwist it, you know, as we were writing it. Yeah. 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 So, 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 I mean, obviously the usual, the usual thing with anthology is to try and try and weave that simple story that connects each one, but is obviously, it's it's like right. you have each anthology story, then then this story that weaves around them. Or if is, you have a framing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, framing yeah. a framing story as opposed to. Um, but this idea that you would then start to sort of, I guess, see the Venn diagram as being actually we can make this yeah. all we can make these all overlap. Let's yeah. Which I guess I mean I know, I know this is going to sound like high praise, and, and and I don't mean to you know, and, and maybe I do mean to oversell it, but that is that that's more or less sort of the the the, the birth of something like Pulp Fiction, wasn't it? That that it was. It was shorter things butted together to make work, wasn't it? It wasn't, you know, the the, the work that Tarantino and Avery did together was yeah. was a, was concocted into was concocted a feature film out of shorter form ideas, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's that's like that tradition, especially in crime uh, fiction and obviously Pulp Fiction. I mean, literally, but mm. like th- those kind of like little nasty short stories. And then I think it's that. I mean, Pulp Fiction is definitely more, in my estimation, like the tone and the world that sort of connects those together. And then we just took it a step further of it being, you know, these stories overlapping. I kind of always thought of it a little bit more like even kind of Cohen stuff was really, you know, a a big influence of like Fargo or whatever. Like those kind of stories you just see every you know, everyone's an idiot, basically, in these stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really, you really do. You take that dramatic notion of people making all the wrong decisions for maybe the right reasons, but they're just idiots, and they could never right. make the right decision ever. Right. And so, how much? How did you? So, how did you get? Because obviously, you can't have every, you can't have every character turned up to eleven and it work. So, how did you balance that thing where you know where 
it's Teddy's turn to shine. It's Luchador's time to shine. It's the you mm-hmm. know. How did you balance that in the dra- in, in the developing of the drama? Then, as you began to began to sandwich these these short film ideas together. Well, it was definitely like yeah, the idea that like a. I mean, obviously, it is like you said, turned up to eleven. But I mean, like Los Angeles is kind of just feels like that where you do have these you know I mean completely marginalized people that mm-hmm. normally you know. Uh, I will. I'll say normal society, but whatever that means, like wouldn't uh, look people, at twice people, or whatever. people that don't. People that bro- you mean the people that don't break the law, and there's people that live on the fringes, <laughs> fringes, yeah, and exactly. do break the law. Yeah, no, I understand. Or even if they don't break the law, it's just like fringe people. You know, it's like mm. or you know, I mean, there's class, race, all that sort of stuff involved mm. in it as well. So I feel like it was kind of like definitely. A, focusing on that, but then also it being like, okay, how do we construct, I mean, just craft-wise, like, how do we construct a story that, like, you know, keeps doubling back on itself? So, you know, you keep adding to the initial sort of caper, but then in that you're getting, you know, what's cool to me is you're getting these new perspectives that that hopefully, like, build the story out that much more and, you know, deepens kind of, like, the meaning of it as well was was all i mean did all the interrelationships between the people because that's the brilliant thing about as you well not the brilliant thing but it's one of the brilliant things watching a movie is the ongoing sort of reveal that everyone's closer to each other than you imagine in right. terms of in terms of you know either relative or whatever well it was just i you know and a couple of us had worked on a on a short film like uh in school that was sort of took this similar idea. Um, it's online as well. It, it was like, it's called the complex and it's mm-hmm. like set in like a housing project, like during Katrina or like right at the aftermath of the hurricane Katrina, like where it just, everything went, you yeah. know, uh, ass up. But, um, the, uh, the idea that like, yeah, you, you, you kind of follow one character and somebody else is, is the villain of that story. And then you turn around and kind of look at, their side of it and you know like obviously your your former hero has now become the villain of the villain story so i don't know that was that was always been like a really interesting idea to me and then we i feel like we just sort of took that to like you know as far as it could go as far as constantly doubling back and finding like well here's a new way into this story or who 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 is this person that you know like in in the motel owners story you don't really even see who the kidnappers are they're just scary as hell kidnappers, you know, and then yeah, we yeah. start following the kidnappers and their story. So then they, they have something, you know, they have a reason for why they're doing what they're doing as well. So that was just, again, the fun of it. No, no, no. And it's, it's, it's the, um, it's, it's interesting you're saying about how sort of LA as a city is a place where this could be going on and, and, and almost like unnoticed because a lot of the people in it are, I barely noticed in terms of just the, right. way, the, the way that the speed of life just passes everyone by. And, and, and just and, even, I think too, just to interrupt a little bit, but even like the class of it, I mean, like people, you know, and especially with immigration stuff specifically, it's like, they're almost kind of ready-made victims because no one's really looking at, you know, no, they're, they're, they're the perfect victim, aren't they? In many senses, in terms yeah. of anyone with a, with a, with a calculating corrupt mind can see, can see as, as teddy bear does, the ease at which you can get away with this level of evil without right. much effort, which is sort of one, of, sort of a really, a really, I mean, I guess a, 
I guess it, it becomes an overt point now you've made the film, but I'm guessing when you were right developing it, you weren't you weren't necessarily thinking that, or, or was was that something you were trying to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely like an initial um, idea, but yeah, no, not like you know, like detail to detail. It was like that kind of emerged as we were working on it, but you know, it was definitely the initial idea of like, man, someone you know, someone could be kidnapping uh, illegal like immigrants and no one would know be the wiser or really care, you know, and that kind of, uh, unfortunately we were a little ahead of the curve of like all this, you know, like what's going on with the, um, with the ice stuff here in the States, but then also just like migrant immigration stuff in general across the world is pretty. I was going to say, yeah, there's the, the big, the big story with the, uh, with the UN in Eastern Europe after, after, yeah. all the, after all the stuff in the Balkans, and it was sort of like mm-hmm. the mere presence of lots of people was was supporting the trafficking of people against their will. It's kind of right. <laughs> it's kind of like we've got peace, but now we'll just ship in prostitutes. Don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, to keep yeah. the peacekeepers happy. How surreal is that? Um, yeah. So uh, the, what, another good enjoyable aspect of, of what you developed with amongst your characters is that kind of schizophrenic but but strong bond of friendship that exists between people in the certainly the people who, who live a kind of criminal life that exists in your movie mm-hmm. you know where, where one minute you'll turn around and say I'm going to fucking kill you I hate you and then the next minute you're like thanks bro you've got my back right? and, and, and that lovely balance because it, it feels like extremes but actually those, those kind of characters and those which obviously are trying to be, trying to be real people however not so you, you've you've made the overall piece is, <laughs> right. is, is that they they are that they they're almost like I mean it sounds it's a horrible metaphor but it's like they're like animals in in the sense that animals live to survive don't they you know they don't they they, they fight or flight every moment they walk around their life and and I'm guessing if you get that deep into the criminal life where there is no escape out of it then fight or flight becomes your whole thing so even the closest person to you can become your enemy in that moment and then when the bigger enemy comes along. That, that person then becomes your friend again. And you're kind of, of like, I don't know how, yeah. I mean, I'd have a heart attack, I think, living like that, but your characters are brilliantly, brilliantly alive to it. Well, and even I think, like, you know, not to get, like, I mean, this is all, like, yeah, stuff I think, like you said, was working kind of subconsciously or whatever, but, like, I mean, I think it's even, like, sort of recognizing, like, who the true enemy is, too, where it's, like, you everybody's sort of pitted against each other, but, like, you know, there's, I mean, like we specifically wanted them to be, um, uh, minority characters, mm-hmm. um, like main characters and that they were definitely like, you know, there are these like systems of oppression in place regardless that like people are always kind of pushing up against. And then it can be a very, like, I guess, uh, immediate, uh, problem and solution where it is, you know, the mistake, I, I would say the mistakes that they make are like, yeah, let's kidnap this girl. Let's do this. This is our way out of this immediate problem. But then there's obviously the, these bigger sort of systemic, you know, forces against them that like I, the only way I could kind of get my head around, like you, you mentioned, it's so violent and it's so wild that like that we could go that deep and far with it um, was that like, Ultimately, they, they sort of learn, you know, some kind of lesson out of it without it being like, you know, like a like a uh, happy, super awesome lesson. But, you know, a lesson nonetheless of it being um, 
you know, that they come together against the true evil and the real, the real problem. No, totally. And, and you've got that. I mean, certainly you teach us an early lesson in the opening sequence where the hotel owner, being a black woman, confronts the ice guy, yeah, the immigration guy, and he makes her... put on her knees. Put on her <laughs> knees, hands on her head. And all she yeah. is is an employee going, what the, asking the question, what are you yeah. doing? Now, obviously, yeah. there's, there's more complexities to that scene than just simply his, his aggression towards her because he's got other things on his mind. But the power... The power play and power balance in American society is kind is is kind of reflected quite strongly there, isn't it? That, that every, everyone's yeah. got a voice, but not everybody's voice is going to be heard or respected. Of course, yeah, yeah. And even just yeah, there are those like little. I mean, obviously, like even the swastika, like the one of the characters has a swastika tattooed on his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the main characters, like you mentioned, he's out of prison, and like even that kind like that. It's just those symbols or those images are of like, yeah, a black woman, you know, at gunpoint being forced down on her knees with her hands in her head. It's just like that stuff is the stuff that really sticks with me and that like, you know, we really push to sort of like put in there and it, it does really grab you. But then hopefully, you know, there's something behind it as well, like you mentioned, that it's not just there for sort of shock value or whatever. No, totally. And, and that ca- the character, although in the in the trailer, you might be you might be kidded into believing <laughs> that the swastika thing is is maybe a, a kind because of, obviously the, the, the trailer plays up to the the, oh, the, 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 the trailer is pure exploitation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in, in the movie, when we introduce when we get introduced to him, he's he's just come out of prison. And his yeah. best friend is a black man. So yeah. that moment alone is really powerful because we get you pay that off later with just with almost like a throwaway line because obviously the caper is happening and the swastika obviously is still an issue. And it, I mean, this, this isn't a major plot point, so I don't think I'm spoiling the movie or anything, but it's the, um, I think he says something along the lines of, you don't think this was voluntary, do you? Because obviously, we, right, right. We, which obviously plays into the whole, you know, the, I mean, I've seen enough documentaries about American prison systems to <laughs> to understand the Aryan race, the black gangs, yeah. the Mexican gangs is is how you survive. You don't go, you don't go in there and be a nice person, and people respect that. You pick a side, don't you? So clearly, a guy who's grown up, I'm guessing, in a black neighborhood, so has black friends, goes to prison a white guy, and he has no choice but to pick a side. Yeah. And, that, and, and, yeah. and that's just a little, that's me extrapolating from your film, which I think is really clever for you to, for you to have that impact. Because I'm not American, so for me to understand all that, I think that's, that's pretty yeah, cool. That's so you've given us little information, but actually you've said quite a lot with it, even though on the face of it, excuse the pun, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of shock value, but actually it makes a much more serious point than the shock value that the swastika tries to make initially, doesn't it? And that's always, yeah, definitely. And I think, like, those are the type of movies, I mean, I really like, too, uh, are just those, like, you know, on the surface, they seem kind of silly or over the top. But then, you know, I feel like that hides the pill a little bit better anyways, you know. Um, it's what it's what exploitation cinema can do best, I think, is that right. make make you think that you're having a, just a roller coaster ride of trash. And then, actually, you've just had a load of seriousness snuck under you and you didn't realize yeah, I mean, one of my favorite movies is RoboCop, and that just, like, it's hysterical. And that's one of those things, too, that you can kind of, like, enjoy more. I mean, I watched it way too young when I was a kid and liked it for, like you said, the roller coaster sort of thing. And then mm. you, 
as you grow up, you're like, oh, wow, he actually is a lot smarter than me and <laughs> snuck some stuff in there, you know? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, as, you get, as you get older, you realize the boardroom scene is probably, oh he's probably, the, key, <laughs> yeah. he's probably the key commentary on all society, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we were talking just before we started the podcast about um, how the crime thriller, I mean, your observation was it's, it's popular in Europe anyway. Um, mm-hmm. As, but also, I was, I've observed, like, the last seven or eight years watching everything at Fright Fest, that the crime thriller and the crime movie has become a, more of a stalwart of the horror genre festivals these days. Well, which is interesting. Mm. What, what, do you th- what do you think it is about the kind of... The, the, the crime thing that works well with a horror audience? I mean, definitely with... I mean, everybody was kind of pushing on ours. And it's like, okay, for the gore hounds, you know, you got all this stuff. I mean, we have like organ harvesting and all that sort mm. of gooey, nasty stuff. But uh, yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's got to obviously be sort of pushing the limits of like what genre is anyways, but then it also being, um, I mean, pretty horrific regardless, you know, like, uh, you know, No Country for Old Men or something like that to me feels like more of a horror film than a crime film. So mm. I'm, I'm terrified the whole time, you know. Of it yeah, being... and I probably should say, in terms of people listening, think, hearing the word crime, this movie, uh, Low Life, is the furthest removed you can be from what people might associate with the kind of traditional procedural crime movie. This, right. is, this has got no rules, has it, really, beyond the ones that you learn as you're watching. Right. Well, that's exciting, too. No, Definitely. totally, totally. So, so in terms of shooting, then... Um, Taking, taking things, well, let's look, let's look, you've, you've sort of told us about the kind of the way the story was developed, bringing short film ideas together to then, like, give yourself a, give yourself a stomachal to trying to make them all fit together, which I think is a really mm-hmm. interesting challenge. Uh, and then, then when you go into production on this, I'm guessing, looking at the movie, most of the film is shot on location. You aren't using sound stages and stuff, are you? No, yeah, it was all total locations. So tell us some of the challenges there about finding a where you could shoot the movie and b where you could shoot the batshit crazy stuff you were trying to shoot. Yeah, I mean we were, I mean super low budget, and then we had a, um, we shot eighteen days total. We shot fifteen days um, for the principal stuff, and then um, the rest of it was the pickup days. Okay, but yeah, just like you know, beg, barn, stealing, sort of everything we could do. We lost our big like the motel location mm-hmm. which is pretty much the you know our main location of the whole film it's, um, it's definitely a magnet for the story isn't it yeah 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 like it all kind of keeps coming back around there we lost our initial one the like the friday before we were supposed to shoot Jesus. start shooting <laughs> that monday so that was just like a scramble to kind of get all that Jesus, find a new man. place for that yeah and it actually ended up i mean luckily helping us out like the the motel that we found was like 20 times better. So that works, but yeah, it was like shooting around LA is not like super friendly for shooting, let alone for, um, super low budget stuff. So Mm. that that was definitely a challenge. And then, you know, we have like gun effects and all that kind of stuff in there as well. So that was like, you know, we did that all obviously right and safe and everything, but it was also like, uh, last minute sort of money came in to be able to even do that stuff, you know? What? So you need, you need like gun people, safety people on set as part of the show. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get all permitted and everything. I mean, we did all that, but it was just like, you know, it was like 
okay, it has to be, to me, it had to be that because everything was so, like you said, I mean, it's so heightened and it's so absurd that like if the violent stuff and the gun stuff and the fighting and everything doesn't feel like, you know, it's uh, realistic and lands heavy, then it'll be even more in Cartoonville or whatever, which which is my fear. Um, so it was just like making sure that, we, yeah, we had gun, you know, proper like blanks and all that kind of stuff and not doing uh, VFX after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a kind of, there's a crazy, there's a crazier authenticity, isn't it? To a real bang going off at the time. Someone yeah, shoots, yeah. Someone shoots a gun. Yeah. As opposed to, um, put, put, you definitely, you see it. I mean, I feel like it registers, even if you don't, you know, you're not a filmmaker, it's like the audience, it registers in their mind, like, oh, I'm actually seeing that happening. No, totally. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, your, your luchador character, um, I, I, I really enjoyed the way that you, you used him, because obviously on the one hand, he, he, he's, 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 this, he's this cartoon character with his mythology, and some of the stuff you do with him is almost like fever dreamy, you know? It's, mm-hmm. It isn't in the, 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 the world you've created is heightened as it is, but then there's moments with your luchador where I'm like, Wow, it's almost like it took us out of the film for a second here while we kind of, <laughs> while we kind yeah. of while we can play around in his head. So how did you manage those? Because that, that you know it's like trying to, it's almost like trying to rate. It's like a like a like an air balloon trying to fly away from you. You're not trying to keep hold of its because you've got to keep getting us back into the story, haven't you? Yeah, right. You want to show the kind of the mythical, the magical, the mystical about this guy because it's he's not just a fella, even though it could be his imagination, and he, he but equally he could have special powers. You know the way yeah. the way you cut the way you've cut the movie anyway. We we until the final throws of it, we're we're left to question what who who this luchador is and what what powers does he really possess? Right, yeah, because we, I mean, so like he he has he has these rages and he blacks out. Right, is what you're saying? Like yeah, as far yeah, as yeah, jumping yeah. ahead in time. Yeah, and, and you know it's kind of like a twofold thing. I mean, it was definitely sort of by design, like out of necessity of like, okay, well we can't show, I mean, that was one of the instances where like the low budget really helped, you know, almost tell the story better than if we would have had all the money in the world kind of thing. Like we, uh, we couldn't In what what sense? Uh, just because we couldn't do these big fights and, you know, he, he basically blacks out at like key moments and just loses his shit and either, hurt somebody or, you know, destroys the world around them kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. He basically hulks out and, like, uh, you know, we couldn't afford to do any of that stuff. But then I think it it really does, like, underline, like, the chaos of it that we just – we're in his head. We black out. We wake back up with him. And then, you know, we see the aftermath as, like, a really cool way to kind of play, in my mind, like, play those scenes where – you are as the audience, I think like wondering like, okay, what is this guy capable of? And then we, we pay it off one time in the end, as opposed to all the way through, you know? So. No, it does. It's a really clever move. It, it, it really yeah. works. Cause it, it kind of, it, cause obviously a man's wearing a frigging Mexican wrestler mask. So <laughs> yeah. he's already, he's already not normal as far as characters go, but yet, <laughs> yeah, yet everybody's treating him normal. Yeah. As if this is, cause if you walked into my street, we'd be like, aha, look, there's a man wearing a mask. But in your movie, there's no laughing at the ha ha bit at all. It's yeah, <laughs> it's it's played straight, isn't it? Yeah, 
Well, and I just, yeah, I, and that was definitely one of the, um, that was like a big fear going into it of mine of, and again, of it being like, <clears throat> could we ground this where you're just, you know, you're not like the audience is even accepting it. And I think what's kind of cool is a, his performance. I mean, Ricardo who played him, like, I mean, just it gave an incredible performance behind a mask the whole time, which is, you know, not saying uh, nothing there. And then um, I think just like taking like that for even that first shot, it was just important to like take that time to, I mean, it's like a two minute long shot just on him where you're just it's like really going to make, <laughs> yeah, going to make the audience just be like, you know, get acquainted with him. And then I, I feel like it kind of even, you know, the mass melts away at a certain point where you're not even seeing it anymore. So I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting like trick that I, I wasn't sure was going to work, but you know, it seemed like it ended up deep. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. That, that first introduction sort of, instead of it going, is he wearing a, you know, if you'd have been like cut to him, cut to him, cut to him when we first meet him, there's mm-hmm. that, there's that kind of, your, your, your reading of it will be, is that, he's got a mask on. He's always going to wear a mask. But yeah, the, fact, the fact that you made us look at it, for so long, while he's lecturing with somebody we can't see off camera, <laughs> right. he's like, "You're going to have to look at this." I mean, that's in a way that's that's fairly kind of like almost like formalist cinema, isn't it? Where you're making us enjoy the frame as much as you, you know, until yeah, yeah, until definitely. there's nothing else to look at except except that's what you're going to see. Well, and it, it is those like those moments where you're just you're like, okay, I'm ready to move on, and, you know, the movie's not, which is really exciting, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a, fi- there's a fine line, but I think, I think yeah, that's, that's one way you've achieved it, where it's like kind of, yeah. I'm annoying the audience a bit now, and I'm going to hold you just a bit longer, and then, <laughs> then we'll go, and then, and then actually, and, it's, and I, won't, I won't spoil what it is, but when you reveal where we are and who he's talking to, you're kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, and I think what we're coming out of, too, like, people are ready to look at anything else, but, you know. Like exactly, the, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you've, you've driven, you, you, you drop us into the, into the horrible, murky world that this film wants to swim in, and then when we meet him, we're then somewhere else, and we're like, whoa, I, can't, I don't even know if I can trust this guy, this filmmaker, I mean, yeah. <laughs> anymore at this point. What's he doing with me? So, no, props to you on that one. That's, uh... Now, you mentioned about decisions to do with budgets and resources being what was useful in your creative decision around how you use the mm-hmm. luchador. But mm-hmm. for, for those listening who, who are the gore hounds out there, you, you, you revel in lots of brilliant gory practical effects, don't you? You've, yeah. you've, not, you've not pulled, and again, excuse the pun, you've not pulled any punches in, <laughs> in, terms, of what, in terms of what you're giving the audience on camera. So, so while you might well have gone, okay, I can't do big... A big fantastic um, balletic fight scene with the Max- Mex- Mexican wrestler guy. You still managed to, within your low budget, give us real gritty, sort of in-your-face violence. Really, I suppose. And yeah. So who's 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 well, behind all that for you then? And how did you find the guys to give you those special effects and make uh, that work for your movie? Yeah, it's this company called Russell Effects, and they do a ton of like. I mean, kind of all budget stuff, lower budget, like horror movies, um, up to bigger shows and everything as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're just, it's funny. They're like, uh, it's a couple, it's a, it's a, um, husband and wife team. And one of the guy, the, the husband, he was like, he's actually from Atlanta where I'm from. Okay. Um, and kind of knew like, you know, 
we all had friends of friends. So it was just weird to like, you know, I don't know. I think we met like a couple of years ago, but then just be working on something like across the country, you know, like <laughs> five years later or whatever. But, um, yeah, they, uh, I don't know. They're, they're just really smart about how, like, you know, they know how to kind of like cheat where they need to. And, and I think just it all, it really does come down to like, especially for just low budget filmmaking in general of it, it comes down to it being like, you know, picking your, your shots basically like it being like, we know we want to put the resources towards this thing and, you know, skimp over here where people aren't going to notice it as much or whatever. So, you know, kind of put everything up on screen at the right moments. And it was that like, okay, we're not going to get three fights with Monstro, but we get one and we get, you know, the effects. That's a good use of money. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever want to be ahead in one of your movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That that is a weird like yeah that that's something uh, definitely subconscious because somebody else mentioned that and I was like there is a lot of head trauma in this film. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it, maybe maybe there's this thing maybe subconsciously with the guy wearing a mask. Yeah. Then you've been drawn to the head everywhere else. <laughs> so what what was yeah. some, what was some of the sort of um, creative decisions then you were having to make to achieve the, the the special effects you got in the movie then what was some of, what 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 are you I mean, without spoiling too much, I suppose, what, what, what are you most proud of that you're able to achieve then to, to, to make our stomachs turn? I mean, it was, yeah, we really fought for that opening. Uh, like our credit sequences, you get to see, you know, what the, um, like the horrors that, that, uh, that Teddy, the, the villain gets up to, like he's a, you know, organ harvester. So you get to see all that in its glory. And I think like, that was just, we, we had actually, that was the last thing we ended up shooting in those like pickup days. So we'd cut the movie together before we had, or like a rough cut of that before we had that. And it just really, you know, it was like a little flat just in the sense of like, I'm really proud that we just pushed to get that because it was, we needed to, to see Teddy just be like, I mean, it's the ultimate evil. He's just the worst <laughs> human being it's I think ever. It's cold. It's cold. Yeah. It's cold. That's what's brilliant about his character is that it's just cold. It's not, Yeah. he hasn't got a master plan. He's just doing what he does. Like as if it's like, as if he'd gone to the Walmart and bought a packet of burgers. It's, it's, yeah. that, it's that normal what he's doing, isn't it? Yeah, to yeah, to him definitely. And yeah, I yeah. think like yeah, no, not not to you and I, right? I'm not I'm not professing right, that you and right, I right. could easily make that switch. But yeah, and to most of your listeners, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you made you made my wife cover her eyes up for that entire opening sequence because I think awesome. Yeah, she was like she kept going. Has it finished awesome, yet? Awesome, like has it finished yet? And I'm like, yeah. no, yeah, no. <laughs> That that is a pure joy is to watch is to sit in a theater and watch people squirming and covering their eyes and not watching. I'm like, no, 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 watch this. This is important. <laughs> you know, I, felt, I felt like I was I was having to do it as a duty, uh, and then yeah. it was like because so it kept kind of going. No, he's finished. No, he's not finished. And she, oh yeah, it was good. And I think you you drew it out lovely. Oh great, yeah, and and it was that like, you know, so yeah, I'm I I feel like a it was setting sort of the tone for Teddy and like really just setting him up. I mean, you know, you got to have that Darth Vader moment where he comes in and wrecks house and you're like, Oh shit, that's, that's a badass dude. And then like kind of, I mean, sickly perversely sort of still finding some humor in that scene as well. So it doesn't, 
100% wallowing in it just to set the tone of like, you know, we're kind of going all over the place in the film. Like it's, you know, funny and then tragic and everything in between. So I, th- I think, I think, uh, I think uh, an evil man in a Versace shirt is always, um, yeah. <laughs> is trying always... To find my favorite shot in the whole, or one of my favorite shots is just him trying to find the, the start of the tape roll to tape up the, the, Oh Carton. yeah, yeah. And he's got he's got he's got the rubber gloves on doing yeah. the table. Yeah. Again, that's what I'm saying. It's like he could, for all for wherever his mind sees the world, he could just be in the aisles of Walmart at that point. Oh yeah. Oh, 100. percent And I no. feel like you know that's not. I mean, hopefully that's that's uh that's humanity turned up to 11. But you know. My fear is somebody out there is doing something, you know, kind of similar to that. That would be just... Well, no, I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a crass comparison, but the same difference. If you look at Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, the, the, the magic of that movie was the, the, the normality at which they went around right. what they did. You know, because yep. you've still got to be... You, you, all evil people have good in them, even though they go ahead and do evil shit. You know, it's not... Right. You can't just be 24-7 evil, because that no, doesn't... Yeah. That doesn't function, does it? And I think that's what. Yeah. I mean, let, tell tell me about um, about developing Teddy as a character then, because you've already got this luchador, so that's already ridiculous in in a good way. And then you've married you marry a luchador up with Teddy, who's a hag, ha, organ harvester, come pimp, mm-hmm. who who picks up illegals just because he thinks they're free, almost. Um, how did you go about sort of developing that as a character? The, the Teddy character. Yeah. I mean, we definitely had like, I think the broad strokes of it, like as we were writing it, but it really was when we, when we cast uh, Mark Burnham to play it mm. and started developing it together. Cause there was just a different idea in my, in my mind of like even his look and everything. We came up with the Versace shirts and all that kind of after, after we cast Teddy, um, because I think originally he was even just in like sharkskin suits or whatever, and it was kind of just that typical gangster sort of thing, and and it, it was sort of rethinking on the fly of like, well, that's not really even like an L.A. sort of style unless he's like an agent or something, which you know they are also uh, have the facilities for evil. But um, now I'm making I'm making no comparison here, but only because of the way he looks, <laughs> yeah. um, and and because I've met the guy as well. Is there was an element of uh, in in, Ted, in in Teddy's look? Obviously, not not this isn't a, this isn't a reflection on on um, and because this guy's dead, so it doesn't he's got no right to plan. I don't mean to, but it, it felt it felt like um, like a criminal version of Kim Fowley, the 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 mm. famous sort of rock and pop Svengali guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've met him. I mean, he's 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 got a reputation that goes before him anyway. Oh, one yeah, <laughs> and I think, sure I, th- I think the stories with the Runaways. Tell themselves, yeah. So he's so he's not whiter than white anyway, and obviously, but he's not Teddy. But there was an element when I was watching the way the way your actors portraying him. That I'm thinking this is kind of like when I met Kim Fowley. <laughs> that's crazy. I've never thought of that. That's really that's a that's a cool comparison. I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely can see. Yeah, it is that like I mean, it's just everything about him is obnoxious and loud. You know, it's like and it yeah, was that, building that's, that character. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't mean the gory and the and the and the viciousness, but just. The arrogance and the yeah. the entitled and privileged position that he feels he owns in everywhere he, everywhere he walks is yeah, something. Yeah, and I, it's just it is that like yeah because that was 
even very early on, it was like, okay, is he kind of like, you know, trying to keep this under wraps or whatever, or like, you know, is he worried about the cops or what? It was like, no, he, 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 you know, drives around. I mean, he might as well just be like smoking crack out in public if he wants to do it. He can do whatever he wants to do, and and he has for this long. What's going to change that? So yeah, it was definitely like putting then a fine point on that of like he listens to super loud music and you know he doesn't even have a muffler on his car. It's everything. It's just the most obnoxious shit he could get into. <laughs> you know, and it's almost intentional. One 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 of my favorite bits in the movie is uh, is there's a shootout sequence. I won't go into details to what it is. But you you put into that shootout scene a beautiful opera right. tune. <laughs> what we what was you thinking? Was was that always in your mind, or was that some was the was the choice of the music born out the edit? Yeah, no, that was definitely later on. We were trying to figure out while we were shooting, like because you know I, I feel like it's all it it could even be a little a little stereotypical of it being like oh the bad guy listens to opera or whatever but you know at the same time it just felt like like this guy thinks he's the classiest you know thing going even if he's not but it's like you know he he buys knockoff versaces and he he's got a miata as his sports car he doesn't have like you know any kind of roadster or whatever like <laughs> And he listens to sort of just the most like atypical, you know, like a little off the wall. Um, we, my one sort of, I mean, this is a little bit of the, uh, of you know, whatever the budget showing, but it was like we we did use just a pretty famous opera, and and I'd always kind of like had in my mind that it was like the opera, like a if we could have found some kind of like club remix of an opera would have been, you know, just perfect, but we could never <laughs> could license it. <laughs> so. so if Calvin Harris had done a remix of an opera yeah, tune. That, that's what this guy listens to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're, basically, you're basically saying you've created the criminal embodiment of cocaine, haven't you, really? Exactly. <laughs> that's, that, that's one of the posters. That's about the... Uh... <laughs> best pull line for this whole thing especially for teddy <laughs> well look thank you very much for uh for giving us uh insight into your movie i mean i hope people yeah, can feel until i i really enjoyed it and you obviously had a ball making it uh are you going to be in town for, for for your screening yeah yep cool so there'll be a q a and stuff yes sir cool well look hopefully i get a chance to uh, say hello while you're here and lots of the fright fest people get a chance to ask you some other interesting questions of having watched the movie. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. I'm I'm excited for for Fright Fest. It sounds like it'll be, it's a super crazy time, huh? Yeah. No. Have you been Have you been to London before? I've been to London. Yeah, I haven't been to Fright Fest though. But so. you so you know Leicester Square then in the central London. Yeah. Yeah. So that's no. That. It's insane that we're yeah. It's down there. That's you're I'm, in you're I'm, in you're I'm, in a tourist central and b sort of premier central. You know any world premiere. That happens in Britain, happens in Leicester Square. Wow. So that's where your premiere is taking place. So Yeah, we're playing the, the IMAX, I think. The yeah, big yeah, screen, yeah, yeah. It's the um, Which yeah. I I can't wait to see people squirming in the uh, in the IMAX. It'll be in, in all its glory. <laughs> <laughs> well look, if you haven't made the movie to make people squirm in their seat, then there wasn't a reason to make this movie given what I've watched. There, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well look, thanks for your time and uh, have a have a good day. Thanks, Ben. You have 
been listening to The Brit Flicks Fright Fest Preview Podcast. Mm-hmm.